calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome uh, to this spoiler review of season two, episode six of Loki from the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! What a finale we have on tap for us to discuss today. Glorious purpose. I mean, literally, each word of that can be applied to this incredible. Season finale, at least in my opinion, incredible season finale of season two of Loki. We're going to break this whole thing down. This is a spoiler review. So if you haven't seen the episode, certainly go and watch the episode. Come on back and join us. Before we get into it, we should introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw, John Roker, writer, producer, and host here on The Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel, a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer. And as the SAG after strike is pretty much done hopefully we might be able to talk about some new credits soon fingers crossed fingers crossed fingers crossed and of course if you're watching this as we're recording it it is veterans day so happy veterans day to all of you who are watching us who have served us served our country or had family members who served we honor them and respect them uh um with all of our hearts so just want to put that out there before we go forward all right gentlemen glorious purpose this is the finale of season two everything we've been building to has led to this moment and uh, this ending, which was incredible. So much to talk about in this episode. Um, I'm going to ask you guys general overall thoughts, and then just to let people know as you're watching or listening to us, and then I'm going to run down the events of the episode really quickly, and then we're just going to discuss all the stuff. So, Michael, I start with you as I do every uh, one of these reviews. Your overall thoughts on this season finale, Glorious Purpose. Well, three weeks ago, I thought Victor Timely was Kaiser Sozaing us. 
<laughs> Two weeks ago, I thought that Loki was going to be caught in an Ouroboros where he was the one who founded the TVA and then ultimately destroyed the TVA. Yeah. And when I turned on Disney Plus to watch this episode and saw that the title was Glorious Purpose, which is also the title of the very first episode of season one of Loki, ah. I was like, oh, I'm 100% right. This is an Ouroboros. Loki is going to start the TVA and they're going to be caught in this loop until we get to the end of this phase of Marvel. And I was wrong about all of those things. <laughs> uh, none of those are what happened. But I think what did happen <laughs> was pretty amazing. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Not what I was expecting. Definitely kind of like uh, paves the way for where we're going at the end of this phase of Marvel. Um, I think that as a, as a season finale for Loki, it's great. As a character arc for Loki, it's great. Um, having seen the season finale of Loki the same night that I went to go see the Marvels, <laughs> I wish I was more excited about what the season finale of Loki meant for the bigger Marvel universe, because if this had happened a couple phases ago, I would go, holy shit, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened in comic books. But given that we're in this phase of Marvel, yeah. I think they really stuck the landing with this show and we'll see what it means for everything else. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. This is almost maybe similar for some of us to like when the Mandalorian ended and uh, the rise of Skywalker came out the same night or whatever. So it seemed a little bit oh, congruent with that, Mike. It's a lot like that. <laughs> there we go. Um, all right, Shannon McClellan, this one directed by Aaron Moorhead, Justin Benson, of course, written by Eric Martin has written the entire season. Your thoughts on this finale here. Uh, from Loki season two. Yeah, I thought all of the theories that were posited on our show, mainly from that guy, um, I thought they all sounded good and they were all uh, all plausible. And yeah. what we got was not that. And it was still just as good. I mean, uh, one of the joys of this show has been, you know, we don't really know where this is going. And I could not have predicted where it went, um, but it was incredibly enjoyable. And it really speaks to Tom Hiddleston's command of this character yeah. um, through his, what, five films that he's popped in, popped up in two series. Now um, he is just a joy to watch as Loki and the arc that the character has gone on since we first met him in Thor in what, 2011. Um, yeah. it, it has been one of the most interesting arcs to watch throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And for those of you who have read some of the material that upcoming Avengers movies are going to be based on, it sure seems like Loki is going to be filling a particular role in one of those films. Yeah. And maybe more, depending on if they're going to pivot um, with all the other stuff going on off screen. But yeah, I agree with you guys. This was incredible, jaw-dropping. I came back from a screening of Next Goal Wins at 11 o'clock at night, and I put this on. I wasn't sure if I was going to finish it, and I had to stop halfway through because there was so much going on for me that was stimulating me intellectually, but also moving me emotionally, that I had to be ready for what was coming or what I sensed was coming in the back half of this of the episode. And what I thought was coming was completely different from what came. And then by the end, I was just absolutely overwhelmed. I sat in my living room for like an hour before I went to bed at one in the morning, really kind of going over everything, reading some people's analysis of the finale, and just being caught up in the fact that this is why we love the best of Marvel, because of what it can really do and why it echoes why we love comic books. 
It's the best of what it can do to show us these emotional paths, these incredible journeys. People forget Loki is the foundational villain of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We talk about these heroes, Avengers, all of that stuff. You can't have it without Loki. You had to have the counter, and Loki was the one villain people always pointed to for a long time. Even though Marvel had a villain, Marvel had a villain problem, Loki was the exception. And to see the arc of this character, which I kind of touched on last episode when we did our review, to see the arc go from hero, from villain to hero, frustrated villain to hero who has achieved glorious purpose was an incredible thing to witness over the last couple of seasons here in Loki. And it's just mind-blowing. And Tom Hiddleston, who people don't give enough credit to, in my opinion, in terms of his performances and his acting, I thought nailed it, absolutely nailed it across the board in this episode. And it left you with, as Michael said, this um, hope or or, or joy that you might hope that there was something bigger coming from Marvel, even though maybe it will be extinguished, we don't know. But still, it left you feeling that Marvel may still have a chance at their own glorious purpose if they can untangle their own branches uh, down the road. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. Anyway, let me – so as I said, I'm going to run down the events real quick, and then we'll talk about it all. This is an unusual finale, but I thought this was the best way to handle it, so bear with me uh, just to remind everybody what happened. So uh, this season finale picks up right where, where the previous one episode left off. Loki is back in the TVA with the knowledge of how the radiation destroys Victor Timely and the TVA. Loki hatches a new plan to get info from Obi and Casey and keep going back in time to fix the errors, fix the errors, fix the errors, and save Timely and the TVA, but none of the solutions work, so he wants Obi's knowledge... And he spends centuries getting this knowledge. We go back to certain spots from previous episodes as he seeks to get Timely out on that platform more quickly. And eventually it works. Timely successfully increases the capacity of the loom. But Timely's prototype device didn't account for infinite possibilities in the multiverse. And he laughs when he talks about this. So immediately I was like, God damn it, Vogel was right. Which is something that no device can account for. But Loki figures out that he has to save he who remains from Sylvie. So we go back to the finale of season one and he tries to stop Sylvie, but she will not be stopped. She is absolutely going to kill him in every possible timeline or reality that can be created there. Then he who remains cuts out all the nonsense and they have a very frank discussion about things with majors doing some great acting here, putting away all the stumbling and the stuttering, making fun of his own stuttering as Victor Timely and just talks. And this is the Jonathan Majors I would like to see more of if he continues going with the Kang, he, he remains situation. Loki realizes that the one thing he can do to change everything is to destroy the loom because it's a fail safe to protect the sacred timeline and doesn't care about other branches. Somehow he who remains didn't plan for Loki to figure this out, or maybe he did. I don't know. Loki ultimately decides to do that because he wants his friends to live. So he heads back to the TVA, shares some last looks with his homies and with Sylvie, walks out on that platform and step by step transforms into the Loki that we know from the comics with full regalia and the horns and all that jazz. He destroys the loom and it looks like he's going to kill the branches, but he instead enchants them, returns to the end of time, finally sits on his throne, creates a new timeline that he is now destined to spend the rest of time overseeing. And he has become the god of stories from the god of mischief. Loki has found his glorious purpose. Meanwhile, Mobius leaves the TVA after an emotionally quiet exchange with B-15, who has a new and improved TVA to watch over. He looks in on his true life, sees himself playing with his boys. Sylvie walks up. They have an exchange about missing Loki, but also have an unspoken understanding that he has returned their free will to them. 
Mobius is going to stay a while, but Sylvie's not sure what she's going to do, but at least she gets to choose her own path. And we end on a final shot of Loki and Tom Hiddleston's face, understanding that, yes, it was Loki's destiny to lose, but in losing his friends and the love of his life in Sylvie, he's also won. He went from villain to hero in the end and achieved his glorious purpose. So, Michael, uh, <clears throat> the storyline of Loki in this episode, the storyline of Loki from season one into season two and ending here, what did you think about how they handled it in this particular episode? Well, I think that, I mean, to your point, to the name of the episode, like that that line from Avengers, like, you know, I am, I am Loki, God of Asgard, I'm burdened with glorious purpose. They have really milked that line for all that it's worth in Loki's yeah. character arc. Like they have really made the most of it. And to watch him in this episode, first of all, it's the same thing that Tom Cruise does in Minority Report. When you do that thing where you're watching someone go over and over and over the same thing again and right. again, and you're watching them do the whole thing, like you have to have a really compelling actor to make that not sort of be like, okay, I get it, let's keep going. And the way that he is just rushing everybody through, yep, yep, all right, yeah, I'm gonna take your job, I'm gonna take your job, let's keep going. Like it's just a delight to watch him do this. Um, but as far as his arc goes, I, this is the thing that I think they did the best in like, this is, this is what might put Loki as the best Marvel TV series above WandaVision for me. Mm. Like this might be the thing that finally does it because it's just such a strong finale. And the entire finale is built around him just going to different points in time to figure out what to do. And they've ultimately put Loki in a no win situation. Like basically by what he who remains says, look, the loom is always going to blow up. Like you, this whole thing that Victor Timely is saying is not what it is. The loom is a failsafe. It's going to delete everything. And basically, the 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 whole the whole deck is stacked in he who remains favored. Right. Like you're either going to blow up the loom and everything turns to spaghetti, in which case I'll eventually come and pick up the pieces again or something, or you kill Sylvie. I get to stay here, but there's no other option. Like this is, we are all trapped on this loop and it is my loop and you can't do anything about it. Um, and then like he goes and he has that conversation with Mobius where he's like, let's talk, like, how do you guys decide to prune? How do you deal with it? Like what is, and he was like, look, glorious purpose isn't glory. It's a burden. Yeah. He was like, it's, it's a burden and you just have to deal with the burden. You have to do what's right no matter what. And then he goes to Sylvie and has this really great conversation where she's like, oh, so you have to kill me? And he's like, well, what's the other option? Like, uh, if, I, if I don't kill you, everything goes to shit. Like, right. everything is going to collapse. The entire universe is going to collapse. And she was like, maybe. She may, or there's like a slim chance that something is going to work. But this is the free will that I was – like, Sylvie basically gives him the free will doesn't mean everything works out. Right. Free will means maybe we die fighting, but at least it's our choice. And he ultimately takes all of that information and steps up. And when he walks out on that platform, it really reminded me of one of the, my favorite moments about watching Infinity War. Like, and there's a lot of favorite moments in Infinity War. But one of my favorite moments in Infinity War is when Thor just fucking goes out in space and has the power of a star shoot through him. Yeah. And re and you know rekindles the forges and you're just like, "Oh, Marvel finally took Thor to god level." Like this doesn't even mm. make sense that he could survive this. Like nothing here makes sense, but this is like god level shit. And Thor having the power of a sun shoot through him and Loki walking out 
as his cape flows out and his horns form and him grabbing all of the timelines in the multiverse and filling them with power and saying, all right, well, this is what I got to do. And sitting on a throne at the end of time, creating like the giant time tree. I'm like, well, that is some cosmic level God shit. Like, this is not a, well, that's a fun finale to that superhero show. Like, this is just God level crazy shit. And it's one of those perfect um, poetic endings where the thing that your character said in the very, very beginning, I did, I think he says in Thor 2 that he deserves, it's his birthright that he right. deserves a throne. Yeah. And all he wants is a throne. And everyone's like, you're Loki, you're never getting this throne. And he's just self-serving and he only wants the throne for his own reasons to get to the very end of this and he gets his throne but it's a burden and it's not it's not all it's cracked up to be and it's almost something he doesn't want but it's not the way he wanted it yeah yeah, yeah. he's the only one who can do it right like there was some poetry to that and it was really really well done and gorgeous to look at so i really uh i think they nailed that loki arc yeah shannon your thoughts on how they went about uh do taking Loki's character through the steps and beats of this particular episode, ending where he ended there um, uh, at the end of time, essentially overseeing all these branches of the timeline. I mean, to echo what Vogel said about, you said minority, but I think you meant edge of tomorrow, right? You know what I meant. Okay. (laughs) Edge of tomorrow. I just, I just wanted everyone to make sure that I knew the right answer. (laughs) Um, You know what? I don't make mistakes often. It's okay that you point them out once in a while. (laughs) <laughs> That's just the one I vocalized. Uh, <laughs> for our European people, live, die, and repeat is the name of the title in Europe. Edge of tomorrow here in America. Okay, okay, I'm, we get I'm saying it. If you want to get technical. You're, you're well read. <laughs> um, it's it, it, there is a danger in, in yeah. that repetitive action yeah. of your oh, audience yeah. getting tired. I mean, it's the same thing like with Bill Murray and Groundhog Day. Um, if you don't have a really compelling performer, it can be like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you are literally where that character is. Like, yeah, 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 come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. But again, because Tom Hiddleston has such a command of Loki and you see the process that as he's trying to go through it, you get, or at least I got more and more invested. And again, the, the moments where he is able to pause for a second and we get to have the conversation with he who remains, which was just dynamite. Again, who knows what's going to happen with Jonathan Majors and his personal issues, but right. watching him and Hiddleston go back and forth in that scene was just so, so enjoyable. And then the 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 scene that he gets to when we flash back to that first episode or the, the first episode of the season, uh, yeah. season one of the interrogation scene between him and Mobius, the moment that he has with Sylvie where his love for for this character like he will not kill her like he he is not going to do that he will spend centuries trying to convince her otherwise and he will fail every time it is just so again it's just watching good actors act um especially when they have a command a command of their characters the way that everyone in this series does, especially Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Um, and, and I thought it was really like, like I know some people have said like, oh, he's basic. He's basically become uh, uh, Yggdrasil, the, the, the Norse tree of life yes. and how it kind of flips the world tree vertically. Right. Um, the idea that he is going to have to sit there yeah. until the, until the end of time deciding what gets pruned and what doesn't. 
um, you you actually do understand the the weight that goes along with having to sit on a throne um, yeah. until some bad guy comes up and tries to hijack it. But well, we'll see. It's, it's a basic tenet of comics, isn't it? comic books, isn't it? With uh, from Spider Man, with great power comes great responsibility. He says it to Obi in the middle of the episode. You know, how long will it take me to learn what you learn? Centuries? Oh, let's assume that I'm a quick learner and I am a god. So this whole thing that he understands what his gifts are or what his advantages are. And so what his purpose is at the end is to do something magnanimous in the end for his friends. Because his whole purpose throughout this episode is to stop this from happening, his friends from dying. But then he realizes the after trying all these other things, the only way I can do it is to sacrifice myself, in essence, or my joy and my happiness. And how many people have that in their lives at certain times you know for for this family to work i've got to sacrifice what i want or or change things that i want but i've got to do that because the bigger picture is more important this and i think mobius says that to him people i when he was talking about his stuff with renslayer how he couldn't prune this eight-year-old boy which i i don't know who the eight-year-old boy is i don't know what the was it his son was it someone else i don't know but he hesitated he couldn't do it renslayer could which is why she probably ends up where i think loki was at the end of season or near the end of season one out there in that area we see that with with him he couldn't do it and the hesitation and he says because i lost sight of the bigger picture right well loki doesn't he eventually understands what the bigger picture is and is willing to make the sacrifice and i don't know the shot of him at the end is necessarily sad it's more acceptance and an understanding but maybe also a longing or a maybe a peace that he has found his purpose because at the beginning yeah. of Thor, as I said, last, uh, last episode, he is just a guy who is desperate to be loved. He's got the second child, middle child syndrome. He's got this feeling that, you know, the other guy is so much more good looking, so much more better. You love him more. So he's caught up in all of that. So it's a, a journey that he has to go through. The emotional intelligence of this episode and this season has been incredible to watch. If you ever done any kind of therapy or done any kind of self-analysis, the emotional intelligence here to put away the insecurities and the self-esteem issues and the all that stuff that you navigate and, and have to deal with in life and then understand at the end, this is the sacrifice I have to make and I'm willing to make it because in the end, the uh, ends justify the means for me to do this. And I will do this because I love my friends and it's worth it to do it. It's a really powerful decision. And it was incredible to see uh, that that's the decision they made with the Loki character throughout this whole episode. Uh, and I was blown away by it. And I liked that he tried every other possible avenue. It's not a decision he wanted to necessarily make. He had to come to this decision on his own. No one told him, you've got to sacrifice yourself. He came to it on his own. And I thought there was real power in that, in him making the decision by the end to do that. So, um, well, what about... Um, the Mobius storyline. Let's uh, kind of confront that here. We see it in this episode, Shannon. He is, so he has that scene with Loki. He's certainly wondering what Loki is doing. He tries to stop Loki. He's the one going like this time. What does that mean this time? And then we see this scene where he talks about, as I mentioned, not being able to prune an eight-year-old boy. Uh, and then at the, and then he has this conversation near the end after everything's happened with B-15 mentioning essentially quantum mania, the gang variant, or Earth 616, but at the end, also going to see himself and his boys. What did you think about how they handled that? And what is next for Mobius, man? Deadpool 3. 
<laughs> do we do we think that? Because I know that had been that had been chatted about. Mm. Uh, but I'll, I mean, I'll be curious if he shows up in Deadpool three. I mean, if cool. if that is supposed to be this huge sort of multiversal adventure, or or yeah. if it's just multiverse in terms of like like they're going to the Fox, the Fox universe. Um, man, again, Owen Wilson in, in an episode that is highly highly focused on Loki, yeah. the moments that he does get are really really great i mean you know he was very steadfast earlier in the season talking with brad about how like you know he he has no desire to go and see what he what his variant or or rather who he's a variant of out on the timeline he's just like no what if it's it's not so much if it's good what if it's bad or no not if it's bad what if it's good like i I don't want to i kind of don't want to know what i'm missing missing out on and to watch him go out and see that sort of bittersweet realization of looking at the fact that like the house is a mess and he's like, it's, you know, it's the best house on the block. I mean, it's just really, really nice. And again, this is, even though we didn't get as much of Owen Wilson as we have earlier in the season, um, I think this has been a really great showcase for him. And as someone who went through their own kind of, you know, personal journey and had some, had some, uh, uh, some valleys, uh, that he had to get through. It's great to see a performer like Owen Wilson getting a chance at this. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully this isn't the end we see of Mobius. I don't know if we're going to see a Loki season three, um, but well, yeah. it. I mean, you, your I mean, first and last episodes are glorious purpose. It pretty much yeah. seems like that. It's just going to be eight it. episodes, of, eight episodes of Loki sitting on that throne. <laughs> it's like, say, wow, what did I do? um but but no i mean i really did enjoy i I did enjoy the the smaller arc that we did get of mobius this season what do you think mike did you think they handled the mobius stuff that we got this season really well especially in this episode seeing him finally uh um, understanding and and looking in on himself uh is he going to replace himself as we saw loki replacing himself uh when he learned how to figure out time slipping what do you what do you imagine is going to happen here Yeah, I mean, what's interesting about this is given last week's episode, it's sort of like you have to go back to like the fourth episode to go, well, where is that? Where is our Mm. Mobius on the timeline? Because the fifth episode, we went just went back and saw the variant of Mobius before he became Mobius. Right. So we got to see we got to see his backstory. So we have the information about the kids and the jet skis and everything. But our Mobius doesn't know that still. And then uh, in this episode, we get to go see Mobius from the first episode of season one when he first had that conversation with Loki. So we don't really see aside from Mobius in the time in the time loop as Loki is trying to figure out how to keep the loom from exploding. We don't really pick up Mobius' story until the very end, until we get to that after section. Um, But as far as Owen Wilson playing Mobius, I think even though he wasn't in this episode a ton, what he got to do was amazing. Um, You know, just watching him sort of a shift gears where he's in that, first episode Mobius attitude and Loki all of a sudden is like, all right, well now you're going to do this and you're going to show me this thing and I'm going to discover this. And that's, and he's like, all right, well you got the playbook. So I don't know how you did that. But like, you know, like he was like, like he just sort of shifting gears with that. And then them having this really lovely conversation where he gets to give this speech about the two uh, timekeepers and the per, you know, like the whole story. And to your point, John, I don't think the eight-year-old is anybody. I think the eight-year-old is just, it was an assignment. Like you have to go, prune this person it's an eight-year-old we already know from the fact that mobius was obsessed with jet skis Mm. that uh 
little bits of your personality. Like we talked about it with B-15 ultimately wanting to be a caregiver. Like each, each of these people, we see that even though their memories had been wiped, there's a little bit in there somewhere. Yeah. So it makes sense that seeing an eight-year-old boy would give Mobius pause, even if he didn't know why. Yeah. Because he has kids. So, you know, something in the back right. of his mind was yeah. like, I don't like this. Um, and it was just a really nice bit of backstory for him and Ravona. You know, yeah. it was just like they they added all of that, but it was there for a reason. And that reason was to sort of talk about the burden, the responsibility. Mm -hmm. Like you have to do this. And when he when when Loki is like, How do you survive that burden? And he's like, scar tissue. Yeah. You know, it's just like that's like you just you, you let you let it heal over and you keep going like you just have to keep doing it because a a glorious purpose sounds great a burden is not something anybody wants but something that you need to do and so the whole speech they had there was so powerful and such an important to your point john that a, a, an important step in loki making mm. his own decision nobody's saying hey you have to do this like loki making that choice for himself and then getting to the very end you know yeah. shannon had said something about loki sitting at the end of time uh with the yggdrasil the yggdrasil tree yeah. deciding what branches to prune but i don't know that he is doing that i think that the whole point is that there's no branches being pruned like the tva is no longer pruning the TVA is just looking for Kang variants. I think the whole purpose of what Loki does is he says, look, I'm going to maintain this entire thing yeah. and let the multiverse go where, it go where it goes, knowing that it's ultimately going to end in the possibility of all of this collapsing. And the TVA yeah. is now this kinder, gentler place where even like, you know, even on the screen in the middle at the very end instead of the loom going this way it's the tree going this way yeah. and no nothing that they talk about at the tva involves pruning uh they're all completely aware uh that they're variants they're all completely aware of what's going on and all like i said all they talk about is kang variants and we're tracking kang variants and we're, we you know we're gonna go find them all we found this one and so it's a kinder, gentler TVA, and now Mobius has the full option to do whatever he wants. Again, he now has free will. Everyone has free will. And with that free will, he chooses to go check things out. And I do think they leave it a little open-ended. You know, B-15 mm -hmm. makes it really clear that he's welcome back whenever he wants. Mm -hmm. uh, he can, he can right. step right in, and he can step right in and be in, the, be in the room, in the room where it happens. And he goes and he watches what's happening, and he's taking it in, and he's taking in the beauty of it and it looks perfect and it looks beautiful, but he never quite steps in. Right. He never right. quite steps in. And you know, it's like, I think it's him having that option. Like he doesn't quite, you know, he says to Sylvie, what's next for you? And she's like, I don't know, but I don't know that we know with Mobius either. Like, I think that right. Owen Wilson's great. And again, depending on if Marvel gets their shit together or not, having a mobius at a tva that's maintaining things in the multiverse if not uh pruning things in the multiverse could be a great character so uh if there's a need for him i have a feeling he'll jump back off that timeline yeah and he does say right because he, he tells the tells b15 i want to see what we're fighting for and when he talks to loki or sorry to sylvie he says if you don't look you can't see right and so yeah. essentially grasping and reconnecting now that he has this free will now that his mind is not being erased now that he has access to all this stuff um he will be able to dial in and understand why the thing why he's doing the things that he's doing right and i i think this is an interesting point you bring up mike because 
there's a term that comes up sometimes is like a, people joke about military intelligence. They joke about a contradictory thing, uh, a benevolent dictator. And that's what it feels like to me that oxymoron an oxymoron. There you go. Yeah. That's what fancy words you guys have. But yeah, the, the thing here, what you see is that he's, fancy, fancy words you guys have as in people. You fancy <laughs> words that people have. Uh, I'm just a, I'm just a frozen caveman. You're ways <laughs> but no, the, the oxymoron. Yeah, exactly. So this idea of a benevolent dictator, right? This person who takes over the timelines, but he is infusing it with this feeling of free will, and he's going to be overwatch. He's going to watch over this stuff. He's going to be in charge. Isn't that how we see God ourselves? And so it's very interesting for people who believe in God. This idea that there is a benevolent dictator, in essence, who is someone you can plead to, someone who you hope is doing the right things for the world and has a, their own plans and those kinds of things. And whereas Kang was someone who misused that power, it seems like Loki is someone who's going to do something better with that power, which is why it becomes the Yggdrasil. And this is something we should, for people who don't know, it's from North Mythology. Sorry, it's from Norse mythology. The nine realms were said to be held together by the branches of the Yggdrasil, which is the world tree. Uh, and uh, Loki is rewriting the multiverse. So forming the Yggdrasil to, for, to uh, in essence, hold the multiverse together is an interesting decision. And remember, this world tree uh, or the life tree was mentioned all the way back in 2011's Thor as part of the MCU's cosmos. Uh, in the way it was described in North, Norse mythology, Thor tells Jane that the world tree is what holds together the cosmos in Loki season two. Um, and that's a really interesting thing to go back and reference because now, in my mind, he has ascended past Thor, like in leaps and bounds, ascended past Thor to embrace this power and embrace this moment. And I don't think it happens without Mobius. And I think that's why it's so such a great character in these two seasons uh, that, that Owen Wilson has brought to life, this character of Mobius. And in this particular episode, it works so well to see him be the guy that is checking in on him. And he's catching all the things that Loki is doing where everyone else is kind of on their heels about what Loki is doing. Mobius is the one is understanding and catching. And so their exchange all the way back, as you said, Shannon, from season one, their exchange there in that room when he's initially interrogating him and they have the back and forth about burden and about the uh, the uh, the Renslayer situation, it's a way of reestablishing. I mean, he even stands up and shakes his hand and Mobius does that, understanding that this Loki feels different than the Loki he thought he was. And so that later when this Loki comes around and becomes what he becomes at the end, Mobius understands and appreciates that his friend, his friend sacrificed so that he could have this moment and he could embrace his children again in his mind and kind of look at this path that could be out there for him. So all of it just worked really well with the Mobius situation for sure. Um, well, let's take a quick break because we're at 30 minutes and then we'll jump into a couple of the other storylines, especially Sylvie and the decision for He Who Remains, where we go with that right after this. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch. And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Yeah, I mean, can we talk Brennan. about the music for a second? I mean, it got pretty epic there at the end, man. Natalie Holt, man. Yeah, I mean, just Natalie Holt. Holt. Natalie Holt got to that end, and she was like, "Guys, I'm not fucking around. <laughs> I am doing this." I think both the opening cues and the and the cue at the end were just supremely powerful uh, to get you into the show. Yeah, her 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 score has been uh, incredible throughout the whole season. Um, all right, let's deal with Sylvie. Mike, I go back to you. Your thoughts on the Sylvie situation here. We see her having the conversation with Loki, talking about free will, and her saying, why do you get to decide who lives and who dies, which is essentially mirroring what he's going to eventually decide to do is the person in charge of all the timelines so he can save them. Um, what did you think about how the, the process of her in this particular episode, the fact that he, he, he can't kill her, she's going to try to kill him, and then at the end, realizes that Loki is the one who sacrificed for them to have free will. She even says it just doesn't feel the same without him. So what are your thoughts on how they handled the Loki, uh, the Sylvie storyline in this particular episode? I mean, like I said with Mobius, I mean, I think everyone in this episode is kind of defined by how they lead Loki down his inevitable path. Mm. Uh, and, and Sylvie sort of represents the immovable object. Like yeah. if he who remains is the unstoppable force, Sylvie's the immovable object and Loki's <laughs> stuck in the middle. Like, like she's very clear. She says it 90,000 times. She's like, if you want to stop me, you'll have to kill me. Right. And he who remains in the whole discussion he has with, with Loki, he's like, look, that's your best option. He's like, I'm the benevolent uh, to your, and yeah. he's not necessarily, but in his argument, he's right. the benevolent dictator. Yeah, yeah. He's like, look, every, every bit of happiness you've had in your life is because I've been sitting here at the end of time, maintaining this timeline and I'm great. So really, if you just kill her, you get to keep all this and it's not so bad. Right. It's not so bad. Right. Um, and that makes sense. And based on what he who remains said at the end of season one, it did seem like Sylvie was wrong to kill him and that led to multiversal war. Now, what we sort of learn at the end of this episode or in this episode is that uh, he who remains, like I said, he stacked the deck. No matter what you do, he's, he <laughs> thinks he's won this whole thing. 
Um, but like Sylvie is just lo- like like Shannon said, Loki's love for Sylvie, he won't kill her. So that's where he's like he kind of gets to this point where he was like, my options are I have no options. Like I have I have option A, I have option B, and I choose neither of these. So I have to change the entire equation. Um, and then he has that conversation with Mobius, but then he goes to have that conversation with Sylvie where he stops time, um, yeah. showing that he's mastered all of this shit. Um, sidebar, I don't know that Marvel way back in the day chose green for Loki's power and green for the time stone because mm. they knew this is where they were going. <laughs> but what a hell of a coincidence that worked out well for them. It's, like, like you're like, God damn it. Like the green and the green and the time stone and the time. You're like, you God damn it. Um, so sidebar, but no, that conversation that he actually has with Sylvie where Sylvie's like, oh, okay, so you got to kill me. Well, yeah. not giving you my blessing. And that whole conversation where he's like, what is the other option? And she's like, I grew up in apocalypses. Like I, I learned my entire life that sometimes it's okay to let everything just go to shit. It's okay to destroy everything. Um, and again, I think we talked about this a few episodes ago. That's, that's the, that's the, that's why Ragnarok as a mythological idea is going on. Like sometimes you've got to destroy everything and let it all burn to the ground to have something grow anew. And that's kind of what Sylvie reminds him of. Like he is so afraid like the reason that he who remains gets to stay where he gets to stay is because he has everybody who knows about him so afraid that without him, everything's going to collapse. The entire multiverse is going to be destroyed or mind wiped, so they can't get to him. Well, yeah, sure. but even beyond, yeah, true. Yeah. But even beyond that, like, and this is what kind of ties in directly to Secret Wars is he yeah. basically says, without me, this whole multiversal war happens with all my variants and right. everything stops we end the entire multiverse ends it collapses there's no chance now if you've read secret wars you know that that is true that yeah. is what happens yeah. but then there's the slimmest chance so what 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 sylvia is saying in this episode will will we'll die fighting there's that one chance there's that tiny little thread that free will will allow us to make it through this impossible thing she's basically giving you the plot of secret wars like right. that's what she's doing um and helps loki decide that he's going to step outside of this ouroboros and do his own thing and go down this path so i think that's all great and then at the end thanks to loki you know she says she's the one that gives voice to it when loki walks off and disappears into time and they're yes. all just like what the fuck happened she's like he's giving us a chance yes he's yeah. giving us that one chance he's he's giving he's giving marvel studios that one chance to get it right <laughs> they got one chance and loki got him there are they gonna do it <laughs> i don't know um and then at the end she gets the ending she wants which is what are you gonna do next yeah i don't know like the happiest ending sylvie can have all she has wanted hmm. from day one is to live on a timeline and wake up and go, what am I going to do today? I don't know. And that's where she gets to be. (laughs) To be left alone to make your own choices. And isn't that what everybody wants ultimately? Shannon, your thoughts on the Sylvie storyline here in this particular episode, but also like throughout the season, how they kind of constructed this thing to lead us to this moment where she finally gets, in essence, as Michael said, what she wants. I mean, for a season that, again, she was not as heavily featured. Yes. Um, I, I thought Sophia DiMartino did just did a great, 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 great job. Um, the steadfast resolve, 
even in the moment that she knows that if Loki kills her, what's hap what's if Loki kills her when they're with the he who remains, by and large, this is gonna be okay. And how she's like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you my blessing. But I think she does think he's going to do it at that yeah. point. Like yeah. the way the way that he is explaining things to her, and she's just kind of like, Oh, okay, so you've made this decision. You just want me to tell you it's okay. Right. And it's like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you it's okay. Because when you've lived my life and you've seen what I've grown up in and these all of these worlds ending, like, you know, it it is okay to destroy something if you have something to replace it with. Like, you know, you go down, go down swinging. And I think that just really sort of speaks to her character by and large is uh, in, in a world where she has discovered everything is sort of pre-planned. She is, she is not going to, she is not going to go with the flow. And that's in that scenario, whether or not she loses or not, she would rather take the chance uh, uh, fighting than just kind of go quietly into the night. Um, so I thought it was just really, really nice. And that moment at the end, again, that kind of bittersweet moment where Mobius is looking at who he was and Sylvie is deciding who she's going to be. I was like, oh, this that's that again, that's that's poetry. That's real nice. Yeah. Yeah. And she and I thought it was real growth for Loki. And we've seen a lot of growth, obviously, through two seasons, but it was growth for him to go to Mobius and have the conversation and to go to Sylvie and have the conversation. As you, as you mentioned, Shannon, it did feel like he was in essence asking for her permission. And she's like, I'm not going to give it to you. And who are you to decide who lives and dies and all this. So just putting it out on the line is, and, and it did, you're right, Shannon. I felt like she was in Sophie DiMartino's performance. She's essentially going, huh, okay, all right, do it. And this is a great question. Cause I think there's symbolism here in that sometimes you have these moments in life where some people have these moments in life where the decision is to backstab a friend or cheat on someone or hurt someone because you can get what you want. And the decision is, do you do that? Do you not do that? And these are the questions. So are you going to, in essence, take the uh, bigger person route and not do that because the bigger picture is more important and you want to have a a more, how can I say this, a, a better life? Or are you going to sacrifice the things you love or people you love or whatever in order to achieve this thing? And in the end, will it be what you wanted because you had to do these things to get it? So I like that that's a kind of element kind of bubbling under the surface uh, as well as the God stuff, which I think is really powerful throughout this whole questioning the idea of that existence and what that means and, and the um, responsibilities of something like that. But yeah, I enjoyed Sylvie throughout this episode as well. I really liked the moments when she popped in and yeah, the conversation with him and with her and Loki was so great. Sophie was, it's a little bit of a crime that didn't use her enough, but at the end of the day, I can't complain because this season was so damn good. And at the end, what she wanted was free will to make her own choices. And she got it. And I wonder where this all leads because as we've seen in numerous projects, and as we've probably seen in our own lives, once you get what you want, it's a whole nother existence as uh, King George said in, at the end of uh, Hamilton there said the same thing, you know, and, uh, you're all alone. Now what? Uh, so yeah, what I love that. What comes next? You see. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I like that song. Um, yeah. All right, let's move on to um, uh, uh, He Who Remains slash Kang. Uh, Michael, your thoughts on this? As as uh, as we've talked about already, the three of us in this review, Jonathan Majors, the off-camera issues, 
this felt like they might have possibly last minute adjusted this ending. And I may be no. wrong. I'm probably wrong. Adjusted this end to make to move away from Kang. We hear at the end, you know, the Kang variants. So Loki is probably going to help these people find the Kang variants of the TVA. We hear about the 616, which is the Quantum Mania Kang. So what is the next step here? Because clearly Loki outsmarted him by doing something that he who remains did not anticipate, we think. So what, what what's your thoughts on how they handled uh Kang and He Who Remains in this particular episode and then what's going what's coming next for him? Well, I don't think they made any adjustments. Okay. Uh, I think this is always how it's going to like basically just to, like what he what 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 he who remains has done with the loom and it yeah. having the fail safe and Sophie and the whole like thing like it kind of like I keep saying he stacked the deck like in in his world yeah. if Sophie kills him he comes back if Sophie doesn't kill him he stays around mm -hmm. they, like he has maintained that all those variants of him are out there but they're gonna get pruned and he's gonna yeah. keep everything under control and this is the horrible like this is that giant ring that we saw around the sacred timeline is his Ouroboros yeah um what Loki has done is op finally opened up to that multiversal war um, if you if you think about the Marvel timeline and the way that they've sort of established it, everything that happens in Loki season one and two happens kind of before everything that's happened in phase four or five so far. So mm -hmm. like No Way Home, Quantum Mania, the Quantum Mania post credit sequence, the Council of Kangs, that's all what has happened because right. of what Loki did. Right. Um, so oh, yeah. Right. Okay. So by Loki stepping outside of that Ouroboros and saying we are not going to prune anything, we're going to let it go. That's what leads to a arena full of Jonathan Majors all mm. screaming at each other and them all doing what they do. Like that's where we kind of are now. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think that they've made their uh, adjustments yet. Like that okay. is to come. Okay. Um. How they do that, I don't know. I mean, we've talked about this on our main show. I think that in a Marvel being in a space that they're currently in where everything is already very unsatisfying to a large portion of their fans, setting everything up for Kang for a phase and a half and then saying, nope, we're going to change it for the last phase and a half, I think is not going to serve them well. If Jonathan Majors has to go, Jonathan Majors has to go. That's right. just a fact. But I think you've, I, I think they would be making a mistake to veer off the Kang track. Now, look, as we all said, Jonathan Majors is great, um, yeah. and it would be a shame. But if that's what it is, that's what it is. Um, but as far as what happens, in, as Shannon said, watching him and Tom Hiddleston go back and forth in this episode was a joy. Yeah. Um, he is great at as we said at the end of season one, the fact that him sitting there just sort of expositing about the multiverse is as fun to watch as it is, is a testament to his performance. Um, it's great. And then as far as like in, within the world of the MCU where it goes, it's like I said, we have now opened it up. I don't think that Loki is helping them find Kang variants. I think Loki has stepped outside of a help out, like he is existing. Like he has stepped outside of time away from all his friends. He's not dealing with them anymore. He is just sitting at the end of time, holding on to that time, all the multiverse and just letting it do its thing. But the TVA is out hunting Kangs. Right. So like if we were, if we were to see a, 
I wouldn't even call it a season three of Loki. And I don't think we're going to get this because I think we're going to get to the end of the multiverse saga before this all happens. But if we were to see yeah. a, a, a TVA series on Disney plus, it would be them running around trying to find a bunch of Jonathan majors on the timeline and prevent them from becoming Kangs. You know, what's a great movie. Kevin Feige figuring out how to time slip and going back and redoing. Oh, <laughs> by the way, if you just want to keep track, like we got to the end of She-Hulk and Kevin Feige was a giant robot. Yeah. But really, as Loki sat at the end of time, grabbing the multiverse and sitting there and being like, I'm going to hold on to this. I was like, so Loki turned into Kevin Feige? That's that's where we ended uh, Shannon, what did you think of uh, the King stuff here, or it's King? Sorry, he who remains stuff here in this uh, particular episode, and like throughout the season, and where do we go from here with his variants? Well, I mean, I like the way that Vogel put it when he said, yeah. "If Sylvie kills him, he comes back. If she doesn't, he remains." Yeah. Um, <laughs> the it made me think of the post credit sequence of Quantum Mania, and I think it's Amortis who says it, um, but how he says they're beginning to touch the multiverse, like. Loki is literally, literally hanging on to it. Um, yeah, Jonathan Majors, again, for whatever happens with his with his personal issues, sure. um, you know, the guy the guy is a really good actor. And that again, that scene between him and Loki kind of when he's just like, aha, OK, so how many times have we done this? And when Loki freezes time and he's like, yeah, how many how many times have we done this? Like you see the progress that Loki has made and how he's made progress to the point that he who remains didn't anticipate it. Yeah. And when he's just like, ah, I, you know, I told you, you were my favorite. Like, let's have a seat. Let's chat. Um, the finale of Loki season one, the whole he who remains sequence. That's, that's something I've gone back and watched many, 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 many times. And I imagine this finale, particularly that scene um, I will go back and watch many, many, many times and not so much out of um, trying to figure out where they're going to go, what's going to happen, but just enjoying watching these two skilled performers mm -hmm. just go, go back and forth. And I think that kind of speaks to sort of, you know, the unevenness that we've seen in phase four and five, how we can get something like this. And then some of the other offerings haven't quite reached this level and it's as a as an audience member it can be a little it can be a little frustrating um oh but you know there are there's a lot of good actors out there and yeah. if they have to replace jonathan majors they have to replace jonathan majors they're like he is he talented 100 yeah. he ain't the only one um but what we got from him in this episode was just so so good and uh yeah yeah i thought they really I didn't think we would see he who remains again. I thought like, okay, he's, he's kind of gone. We're just going to be focusing on Victor timely. But the fact that we did get a little, uh, a little reprise of his performance and that scene, I thought was just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, you know, again, whatever happens is going to happen, but his performance, looking at it just from that narrow window, the back and forth with them was fantastic. And this is a Jonathan majors. We rarely see in any, which is kind of all the walls down, all the performance stuff down, and just straight up talking. I was just like, man, this is, where is this? Where can I see this, Jonathan Majors? Because this is just as electric as these other characterizations he puts on as an actor in all these different films and in the different variants we've seen so far of He Who Remains. So yeah, I mean, great stuff here. 
I liked the decision. Um, I do have questions about how he wouldn't have figured out Loki might do this. So I wonder if they're going to address that as these other feature films come out or TV shows come out in that way. So I have questions here about where we're going to go. But as you said, Michael, clearing up a little bit, all these Kang variants now are out there because of what Loki did. So how is that going to bleed into the MCU overall? And how much of a hand is Loki going to play in this down the road? Because they've set him up to possibly be involved in certain storylines to affect certain storylines. We'll see or not. Maybe he's a person who stays out of it, right? What do we do when we pray to God? We're always like, can't you intervene? But God is omniscient and omnipotent, at least the way well, that yeah. I've been trained to believe in God. So does he interfere? Does he not interfere? It's going to be an interesting question going forward. Well, and in the comics, I mean, the way that Kang has become like a major villain for the Avengers is mm. exactly what you're talking about. Like at the end of season one, it sounded like, oh, if you like, you know, like if you do this, he who the multiversal war happens. Yeah. But then you get to the end of season two and you're like, oh, not really. I mean, he kind of already had this, you know, it was like, so Loki stepping out now feels like that that's the case. But he who remains is the one who remained from the multiversal war in the first place. Right, right, so right. So is right. there, does he still have fail safes down the line? Like, we'll see, like, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, so you, you never quite know with Kang. I mean, that's yeah. the way that Kang has been played in Marvel comics for decades at this point. Yeah. Uh, I do want to ask you guys to uh, kind of maybe kind of wrap up the review here a little bit. Um, Shannon, any I'm going to go to you first. Any criticisms here of this? Because, I mean, we were presented this unholy alliance between Miss Minutes and Renslayer, and it never really fully comes into motion or fruition, rather, as we go into the finale. Renslayer is essentially sent out to where Loki was when he was pruned in the last season, uh, there with Richard E. Grant and all the people out there. Um, and Miss Minutes is only has like a cameo in this episode when loki comes in after he's going back further back in time to try to get timely out on that platform and quickly says miss minutes can you help us build the time the throughput multiplier blah 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 well we don't really see much of that um and also b15 and brad just kind of disappear b15 is there but there's not really anything explored like we saw her life as a doctor but we don't go even further into that so do you feel that and casey as well and ob as well we don't really get any kind of closing of the loop on any of these characters so is there any criticism on your end that you feel the show maybe didn't 100 percent get there uh with this finale i mean i think there's always more that we would like to see from characters mm. like it, it does seem like for the majority of the season b15 did get a little sidelined um yeah. you know brad the character like we're introduced to him early we really liked him as you said he just he just just kind of you know vanish from the final equation but at the end of the day i feel like you do you do get these subplots that feel unnecessary um as it relates to your main story and there's a reason those get cut is because if it feels Prunes, like shall we say. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it feels like it's dragging it down uh then that's that is why they get rid of it would i like to have seen more from kiwi kwan of course um but as it was as it was given to us, I'm kind of like, would it would it have been nice to have seen more of them? Yes. Is there an organic way to make them more involved in in the finale? Not from what I could see. Hmm. So it's it's one of those situations like maybe we'll see these characters again, maybe we won't. What we got of them, I was really happy with. What about you, Michael? Do you feel storyline wise they maybe they like they presented something here but didn't quite follow through on it? And why no final shot of Brad either in prison or? maybe reformed working for the TVA because he's such a, he was such a strong character in the first four episodes. Uh, what'd you think about this? 
Yeah, I think I think seeing Brad in that final little after section would have been nice. I think that uh, I think that was probably a mistake on their part. Just like let's just he he was such an, a big part of the storyline of yeah. the first half of the season that just like having him still be present kind of makes sense. But aside from that, um, look, I, I I like all these characters and I would have liked to have seen more of all of them. But I think yeah. given the storylines that we got and where we ended. We kind of got there. I mean, like, we know that Casey has now stepped up and is kind of a major player in the TVA. B-15 is running the TVA. Uh, We know where Ravona Renslayer is, to be continued. The OB and Casey have rebuilt Miss Minutes. Is that a good idea or not? I don't know. I'm with B-15. She's like, is she going to try and kill us? And they're like, ah. Like, maybe... Maybe don't remake the killer clock, except for the bigger MCU. More Terra Strong is better, and I would love to True. see Miss Minutes continue. So I'm glad they rebuilt her. So I do think that that little section at the end, uh, that little epilogue, got yeah. kind of did give you a very nice wrap-up. Like, even B-15 going into that room, the judges' chambers, and seeing that it's not just one or two people making all the decisions, that it's this hustle-bustle of the TVA where everybody is working together with a common purpose, and that common purpose is to keep an eye out for these Kang variants because they now know. It's everything that uh, Mobius says to B-15 about the, uh, you know, people who forget their history are doomed to, uh, yeah, you know, like, like they were, they were, their minds were wiped. They were yeah. doomed to repeat that timeline and live on that Ouroboros because they didn't know any better. And right. now they know better and they're making better decisions thanks to Loki. So, yeah. yes, absolutely, you know, give me a 13-episode Loki season and expand out on these characters. But for a six-episode season, I think that as opposed to other other series where you do really feel like, wow, they really dropped the ball, aside from maybe like a little coda on Brad, I yeah. think that – Everybody got even OB kind of like getting to write the second edition of the TVA right. handbook it's after knowing yellow. that he was kind of a failed author. You know, like yeah. so even though it wasn't a ton, they did kind of let us at the end go, here's where this person is, here's where this person is, yeah. here's where this person got to end up, here's where this per- like so you got that little bit of satisfaction. So I think they did a nice job with that, even though, yeah, when you love characters, you always want to know more. Yeah, I agree. I you know, I think there are you can lob some kind of a couple of criticisms uh, to the ending here. I agree. We uh, last shot of Brad. I, I think we should have seen something with Brad uh, at the end there and uh, maybe something more with B-15. But yeah, her walking into the, essentially what looks like a Congress of the TVA. Yeah. So it's going to be a much more democratic approach to things. Judge Gamble, who showed her empathy uh, throughout the season when they've had their interactions. She's a good person to be in charge with her as opposed to General Docs. So that's going to make you feel like this is going to be a a better TVA going forward. Yeah. And then OB and Casey. And yes, I mean, and I don't know if anybody noticed, but it looked like the books, instead of being orange, the new ones are yellow. Yellow. So, yeah. So a lighter color. What does that mean? It's Sinestro's behind the TVA, man. It's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But but also those are the colors of Loki, white, green, and yellow. So maybe there's a little bit of an influence there as well. But yes, good point about him being an author, opening these books and maybe having that little piece of him satisfied in that way. Sure. And Casey being more of a part of it for sure. So I love that. Uh, All right. Well, let's wrap up. Shannon, any final words on this episode or anything you want to highlight that we missed and uh, overall thoughts on the season? I mean, in, in in the mixed bag that that has been the MCU since Endgame, I think Loki's season one and season two have been have been a real treat. And like from the folks that I've spoken to, um, a lot of people haven't 
uh, gotten on to season two. It's just kind of like, ah, is that still going? Is it any good? And I'm like, so far, yeah, it's pretty good. And so now having reached the conclusion, like, you know, you always try to judge a series by by the series in its uh, totality. Now I feel confidently to be like, yeah, absolutely. You should go. You should go watch this show. It's it's quite good. Okay, uh, Michael, your any final thoughts on this episode and uh, the season overall? Yeah, look, it's what I said before. Like, it was a really interesting thing to go see the Marvels and watch the Loki finale on <laughs> on the same night because I think that you sort of just I, we you know we've talked a ton on the show and everybody talks about it and Variety writes articles about it and it's literally what's you know Marvel not being what it was Marvel being off base what's Marvel doing wrong and I think that what Marvel's doing wrong at the end of the day. Uh, is that you don't feel like everything is moving towards the same spot. Like you, like there's a, there was a moment where in, in early Marvel, where a post credit sequence would happen and you would go, well, that's going to be super important. And now you've sort of lost that because there's so many different things going on and there's so many threads that you're, and you know, they've, they've sort of drop the ball on so many things you're like is that important so getting to the end of loki season two it's like i said they stuck the landing great here it's shannon's right in the mixed bag that is the multiverse saga uh loki season two is to me one of the highlights yeah and getting loki to where you got loki at at the end is great i just wish i was more excited about it (laughs) <laughs> in the bigger picture of Marvel. As far as the series, they they did great. Like Loki season one and season two, I think when we get to the end of this phase of Marvel and it moves on to whatever, like it's a, we'll, we'll go back and we'll be like, here's like the little gems in yeah. this mess that you should check out. And this will absolutely be one of them. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. Maybe we'll get to, uh, you know, Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars and Loki sitting on his throne, holding on to that giant tree of the multiverse will be like, a big piece of it and I will cheer. Um, so we'll see. But as far as this, very, very happy. Yeah. And we'll see too, because I mean, there's a big announcement that all these Marvel movies are being pushed back as we're recording this. The announcement that was yesterday released all these Marvel. So maybe they're readjusting Captain America four being reshot. Some scenes being reshot because of some low test scores. So clearly there's stuff to fix. And as Michael said, uh, there is a legitimate place to be concerned about such a great season of te- of Marvel television fumbled by other people who might use elements or characters from this season to weave into the overall story of the MCU as we go forward. So there is a fear of that. But you have to look at these things sometimes in a little bit of a vacuum. And this particular season, and honestly, season one, which I have said from the beginning, is my favorite season of Marvel television so far. These two in combination, number one of all the Marvel TV shows, in my opinion, because of not only the intellectual, philosophical stuff that they explore and challenge you with, but also because of the real human connections of these characters. And I that came through so strongly throughout this entire episode. And yes, a couple of the, a few of the characters were a little bit sidelined in this particular episode, but we got connection with them. We got we touched base with them. They were concerned when Loki walks out by himself. They're all freaking out because they care about him. And how many, I mean, who could have conceived that there would be so many people that would care about Loki? And in the end, he's doing what he's doing because of his love for his friends. What growth. And so to see that uh, as a, what as your main character, see that storyline as your main character, an emotional storyline for your main character, I thought was just genius. The direction here from Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead 
throughout. Whenever, whenever they've directed episodes, it's been fantastic. Eric Martin's writing has been exceptional. They should get Eric on just about everything to write here to really give stuff more depth and still explore the humor, still explore the comic book stuff that we enjoy, but also have um, some real complexity to the stuff he's creating here in the Marvel Universe. You'd love to see more of it. And look, it, it, this to me is like kind of Andor a little bit. People are like, well, you know, it, does, it doesn't have to, you know, you put the little mustaches on and the beret. It doesn't have to be all that. But the fact that this does exist is a good what? thing. And it can be balanced out by other things. Yeah, it's a it's a. Why do we have a beret? It's, some, it's a reference to something from uh, that someone posted, uh, uh, some influencer posted on their um, uh, Twitter. But this whole idea, this is the thing that I enjoy is that we can have the balance, right? The Marvels is frivolous fun for the people can enjoy it it teases heavier stuff that it nowhere near accomplishes or or uh, brings to fruition this does and i hope there's more of this combined with better stuff uh with the marvel's point of view down the road for marvel and hopefully them pushing everything back is their way of trying to fix everything to make it better. So I will say, so like one of the keys to like a great character, I do this a lot with Marvel. Sometimes I'll go on Disney plus, like when I have like some downtime, like you sort of like can choose your own adventure. Like you can Mm. go on like an Iron Man journey and you can watch like Iron Man one, Iron Man two Avengers, Iron Man three. Like you can just, and just ignore everything else. You can do cap. Like I, I did Spidey recently where I just did like civil war homecoming, Infinity War, Endgame, Far From Home, No Way Home. And with Loki, this is like a sign, as Shannon said, like the arc of this character, like you can just do a Loki run now and you can watch Thor 1, Thor 2, uh, Avengers, Ragnarok, Infinity War, and then just ride through Loki season one and two. And the arc of where he is in, in Thor 1 to where he's sitting at the end of Loki season two and just watching Tom Hiddleston go on that journey, like yeah. that's a great ride. And that will always be a great ride no matter what else happens with the MCU. That's a good point. Uh, yeah. I also said that last episode, but okay. <sighs> Shannon only said it. All right. So anyway, let's move on. That's it. That's it. That's the end of this particular spoiler review. Oxymoron. (laughs) I got your oxymoron right here. Um, Thank you all so much for watching or listening to us uh, here on the Geek Buddies. We appreciate Madly. And thank you for for all of you who've come on this uh, spoiler review journey with us through season two of Loki. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, we're going, and here's an announcement. We're going to do a live uh, Marvel's review Monday night, 5.30 p.m. PT is the tentative scheduled time monday night 5 30 p.m PT. Y'all, so i'll pour yourself a drink for that one it's gonna be a wild ride it'll absolutely be a wild ride uh all right shannon what do we have to tell them yeah if you'd like to follow us on social media on twitter it's at geek underscore buddies on instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies if you'd like to follow me on social media on twitter it's at shannon underscore mcclung on instagram at shannon the geek buddy if you'd like to get to the edge of tomorrow you can follow michael vogel at mk tune if you would like the de- definitions of more multi-syllabic words like oxymore you can hey. follow john roca at the roca says <laughs> Yeah, I just don't know every English language. Hey, all right, uh, Michael, <laughs> what do you have to say? Uh, Your ways are foreign. If you me. would like to insert minority report joke about my minority little friend, Shannon McClung, here, uh, then you can just keep on keeping on with the Geek Buddies. Uh, go ahead and smash that like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Leave your comments below. What did Please. you think of this season of Loki? What do you think about how it ties into the bigger storyline of the multiverse saga? What do you think about all things Marvel? Let us know in the comments below. If you're listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and 
leave us some stars and some comments so we go up in the rankings and more people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. There you go. All right. Thank you all so much. And don't forget, we're also going to have our Geek Buddies main show coming up as well uh, for you all to enjoy. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Thanks, everybody. And we'll talk to you next time. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of The Geek Buddies! <gasps> hey! hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.